Welcome to Cowhorse, Full Contact by Ben Self, with host Chris Dawson and Russell Dilday. This episode brought to you by the Reno Snaffle Bit Fraternity, September 13th to the 20th, Reno, Nevada. Hey, here we are. Welcome to Rancho El Dorado, Winniewood, Oklahoma. Homer Russell well, Dilday. That's right, and that's all. <laughs> Joe's not here no more. <laughs> well, I'm Chris Dawson here with Russell Dilday, and today we're joined. Casey Carson. Casey, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. So, Casey, bring us back to the beginning, because we don't know where else to start. <laughs> the beginning and of- I know it was a long time ago, just after birth. Where were you born? <laughs> yeah, uh, Hutchinson, Kansas. Back in the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> Late 60s. Were you born with sideburns? <laughs> yeah. No, those came later. <laughs> he was born with hair up top. Yeah, I did. But we some, both lost it. Right, it's gone. Yeah, it's all the way gone. He's so, got a fair bit of hair compared to you. So what? <laughs> I just met him. So does a watermelon. <laughs> a peach. <laughs> Yep. So I grew up in uh, Central Kansas and started training or working for uh, ranches up there. All oh, the late nineties when I got out of school. And in your twenties, huh? Yep. Yep. And so, but your dad was a basketball coach. Yeah, dad was a coach and a school administrator. Yeah. And uh, my mom was a secretary at the high school. Worked at the bank. Some, you know, off and on. Why don't you tell Chris what happens when you don't say the pledge of when you don't stop for the flag <laughs> well, <laughs> for the anthem? I'm sorry for the anthem. Yeah. So, and I grew up in uh, yeah Plains, Kansas, and Southwest uh, Kansas is a uh, big time basketball. I mean, basketball is everything out there. And my dad was a coach, and they were successful. They had a he had a good. A lot of good teams for several years, and, and a basketball coach in that part of the country is kind of a celebrity of sorts. And so, anyway, I was a coach's kid growing up the whole time. But uh, uh, you like all coaches' kids, you know. I hung out with the older kids and rode the bus to the games a lot and stuff like that. But we had a at a home uh, at a home game there, and I don't remember who we were playing because I, I kind of lost my black <laughs> lost a little time there, but. Uh, <laughs> They, uh, my dad was, they were getting ready for the jump ball and everybody was ready and they were going to play the national anthem. And I, uh, I was on the very top row of the stadium facing the wall. Um, and there was two other kids up there I was looking at, but I had my back to the world and, um, including the flag, including the flag. (laughs) And my dad was on the opposite side because the, the players, the coaches faced the, uh, the home crowd so they're on the opposite side of the court and I got my back to them and they play the national anthem and I'm monkeying around with these kids the whole time and and uh, as soon as the music stops and everybody cheers and then this complete silence falls over (laughs) the gymnasium like it just I mean it was like eerily I mean you could hear heard a pin drop it was just complete utter silence and all of a sudden these boys that I'm facing their faces just drop (laughs) and i'm like what and my dad hit me in the back of the head (laughs) and when i got up and turned 
he was walking through the crowd. He didn't come up the steps. He went up the bleachers. He was walking on the bleachers, and they were just parting like the Red Sea. <laughs> <laughs> and he walked back. He walked across center court, and the ref is standing there holding the ball for the jump ball. And, and, and when he walks by there, he pats him on the shoulder, and they blew the whistle and threw the ball in the air and started the game. <laughs> and nobody even moved in the whole stadium for like the first two minutes of play. Everybody just sat there, and then they kind of got into the game, and I, you know, slithered out from under the bleachers. You put some ice on your head. Yeah, and he never said a word about it. I mean, he didn't have to, but he never, <laughs> he never mentioned it, not one time. Action's uh, worth a thousand words. Yeah. yeah. So if they, if they start playing the national anthem and I can't find the flag and I break out in a sweat, I mean, you, know, you guys kind of know. You won't be kneeling. Yeah. Yeah, there would be no taking a knee. After no. they hit. Yeah. The knee, yeah, the knee comes right after the song's over. Yeah, yeah that's right. So <laughs> my favorite stories That's, of all time. Oh my goodness! So how old were you then? Oh, I don't know. Twenty three. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I was old enough to take a beating. I guess I was. Uh, oh, I don't know. Probably, probably eight or nine years old. Old enough to know that I should have been looking at the flag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let him sneak up on you. Yeah. Yeah. But could you imagine the whole crowd knowing? Where, where he's about going. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah, there was probably 500, 600 people there. I mean, it was and packed. only one person didn't know what was about <laughs> yeah, to happen. Yeah, only one. Yeah. <laughs> In the whole building. Yeah. I, and the ref's just holding the ball, just waiting. Well, flame sort this out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're just waiting. He, and they weren't going to start without him. I mean, there's no way. They were scared to death. They're just sitting there waiting. Like, what's he going to, you know, is he going to let us play? Yeah, anyway. Hopefully it doesn't kill him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was just one swift little short stroke. To the back of the head. Yeah. <laughs> but then, then I hit the wall, you know, fell on the wall. I was laying on the ground, but whatever. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah. So you, got, you guys are all good now, though. Oh, yeah, I know. It's all good. Yeah, he never said. He still hadn't brought it up. Yeah. yeah. He's, <laughs> no, he's not even sure it was him. Yeah. 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 No, it was definitely him. Yeah. No. People talked about that for many years. Yeah. Still so, yeah. to this day. Yeah. So. That's eight years old. Yeah, yeah. No, so I, I just always, but I don't know where the horse bug got me. I just always, uh, my dad was a, taught school at Medicine Lodge, Kansas for a while, and the art teacher there, Earl Kuhn, uh, ended up being a famous Western artist, did covers on, oh, the Quarter Horse Journal and uh, Western several Western horsemen, several mm. Paint Horse yep. Journal covers. And um, he always, they always had horses, and I always went and rode with his kids when I was little. And I just always, that's what I wanted to do. So as soon as, uh, you know, some kids that he taught, they had graduated and didn't, had pony, they didn't, you know, weren't going to use anymore, and I'd, I'd get it. And, you know, that's how I got started. So, so mom and dad, no interest at all? No, none, no. And never they had done it? Never rode, they've never rode a horse, never... Never were around at any, uh, never, no, they just, uh, but they were super supportive. I mean, they were, you know, we all played ball. I played f college football and, uh, and those, you know, they, they never missed a ball game and they were, and just whatever we wanted to do, my brother and I just, but that's, that's what I always kind of, I gravitated towards that. So as soon as I could, you know, 
do my own thing, and you know they helped me buy a pickup. And a, I remember we had a when I was a little kid, we pulled into Liberal about the same time I was getting whacked in the back of the head for not paying attention. But we pulled into Liberal, Kansas, to a showdio, and we had a '69 Chevy and a shop-made two-horse trailer that some of the kids in, in uh, the Votech class had made. And we had, my dad clerked on the weekends for an auctioneer there named Jim Hush. And Jim's son, Brandon, had made this trailer. And Brandon, you know, they were selling it at this sale. And they couldn't get a bid. Nobody bid on it. So Jim just knocked it off to my dad, put my dad's name down. They just kept rolling. When we got done, dad's like, hey, this trailer's my name. He said, yeah, you, you bought it. And he said, no, I don't. He said, yeah, you need that trailer for Casey to haul him them little rodeos or whatever. So dad paid him 500 bucks for it. And it was, I mean, it was awful. You know, they just took a, <laughs> the windows, the, the window, they just took a cutting torch, you know, and just cut. They just pulled the sheet iron over and welded it down. Then they just took a cutting torch and cut windows in the side. And uh, we had a 69 Chevy, and we pull into Liberal, Kansas, to the Shodios. And, and my dad said, yeah, Jesus, this is the part that I hate. I mean, I just, I was like, what? And he's like, people trying to buy our all of our stuff, and then we're going to unload these horses. I'm going to be trying to buy our horses. We don't have anything <laughs> that anybody would want, you know. Like, I never even stopped the clock, hardly. So, nobody, there, was, there was no danger of anybody buying our stuff. But, but anyway, we had a lot of – I remember I, I still have the record for southwest Kansas for the longest uh, – calf dobbin run on on wreck it's a, a minute for their calf dauber yeah minute minute 14 that, that's, so, that's, a, that's like a one-man kettle drive that's a, yeah 70 you 70, could have found a buffalo on the plains and stabbed him in that amount of time 74 not on that horse no. <laughs> <laughs> you needed one of the Appaloosies. Yeah. 74 seconds yeah it's pretty decent and my dad was my dad was in stitches he was just he was and people thought he was such a he was laughing he was he thought it was hilarious i finally just got it up it went into the roping box and i just waited for it to come out and i swiped it down the side <laughs> and raised it in the air because they were and everybody was like just do you know they were gonna hold in it like please dob it where you know the other kids were ready to go so, <laughs> so, so the other kids paint was drying yeah yeah they were re they were reloading their fuel Dude, Cool cues. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I guess I, you could say I was just a natural. So. <laughs> I feel your pain. <laughs> How about the auctioneers who's the auctioneer whose last name is Hush? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I hadn't I'm even thought of that. That wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't even thought of that. Mm. So we kind of glazed by college football. Showed you. Yeah, because it, why didn't you play basketball? Yeah. <laughs> it's well, radio. You well, got to tell them. Well, I, was play, well, I played basketball the whole time I was a kid. That's all I played. Never played football. All I played was basketball. My dad put on basketball camps all summer. We went to all the camps. We played all the camps. So my freshman year, I played all basketball all the way through. My freshman year in, in high school, I played and then I was a, a better football player, or I wanted to be a better football player, and, and I was a long jumper and triple jumper in track, and so I, wanted, I was doing that stuff. And then, so, and as a small school, like a 3A school, and so, like, you, you know, the coach's kid's going to play basketball, and, you know, obviously he's going to be good. And so I told my dad, I was like, I really don't want to play basketball. And he's like, oh, that's fine, get it get a job or whatever in the wintertime. <laughs> and so we just went on. That was the end of it. You're not going to sit around on your butt, but if you don't want to play basketball, it's fine. So then when it comes time to not play, the town is like, hey, what? Hey, what, it's like Hoosiers. Yeah, what's the deal? You know, why, Where's Jimmy? How come, how come Casey's not playing basketball? And my dad said, 
he's not that good. <laughs> and that was the end of it. Yeah, we're not. Yeah, nobody will even know that he's not there. And they and they didn't. So <laughs> after the first day, yeah, he's not that good. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, they never missed me. And so then we went on, and we had yeah, we got along good in football, and, and then uh, and then I went to. Uh, I wanted to play NAI football because that would have been kind of my niche. I wasn't good enough to play Division One, and and uh, but the NAI was uh, so expensive. Even with a full ride, you know, at that time it was you know twenty thousand a year with a full scholarship. There was no way we could afford to do it. So um, the Jayhawk Conference had all the schools in there. You know, any if you're an in-state kid, you know, we'll give you a scholarship. So. Uh, so yeah. that's where I that's where I went to to dodge, but I was playing there and I started, and it was okay, but it was just such a it's just such a full time job, and I wanted to ride, and I'd never roped or anything like that before, um, and so I would go over and and help the college kids uh, or the college rodeo team flank bucking horses and rope the dummy with them and trying to learn how to do that stuff, and the college coach came over about halfway through the season. And he said, hey, if you don't, you know, if you don't decide to play football, he said, we have leftovers. I can give you the exact same scholarship and you can just come help. You don't even have to rodeo. If you just keep doing what you're doing because you're helping a lot, I'll just give you a scholarship. So, so he did. And so I didn't play football my sophomore year. I just told my folks, I'm like, it's such a grind. And I said, I'm not good enough to play. These kids that are here are, are good. And a lot of them, are, it's just a stepping stone to go right. to Division One, <laughs> and I'm not going to play Division One because I'm not good enough. And so, um, so that's what I did. Then I just, I just veered off there because I was really into that scene. You know, I like those people, and I hadn't been around where I grew up. I was the only kid in the whole town that had a horse. And there was no horses um, like in Heston, Kansas. I was the only kid in the whole school that wore jeans and boots, and and. Uh, so it was cool to be around other kids that were doing that kind of stuff. And I wanted to learn how to rope, and I wanted to learn how to, how to you know, make better horses. Because I was starting lots and lots of colts, you know. And uh, Ray Hunt would come to – Dwayne Walker had Jackie B and TJ Badger and um, Goldfingers and all that. He just lived 16 miles from where I grew up. And so – there were, you know, he was kind of the king of the quarter horse world, you know, where I'm from, and those were all big, pretty, gray, uh, hard-headed. A lot of them were tougher, and and but but they were, you know, rope horses and halt. They were halter kind of halter horses, but they did lots of stuff. But Ray Hunt would come there every year, and he would buy colts from from Dwayne, and then he would come back the next year and do clinics, uh, do a clinic, and then sell his horses in the in the uh in the horse sale that Dwayne had his production sale excuse me and so I would go to Ray's clinics as a kid every year and just I couldn't afford to ride in them but I would just sit there and watch him for three days and then I'd go home and practice. they'd all get it yeah yeah, yeah they'd get in it yeah there are no bridles no halters I mean we're going on natural you know and so so in between fixing fence and getting stitches and stuff like that I was you know riding colts so yeah, so that was good. Yeah, so, um, but I that was that was that was kind of my jumping off point. There was watching him all those, you know, and I visited with him a few times, and then 
Buck Branham would come and do clinics at Krebs Ranch at Scott City, and I'd go watch watch him, and and um, so we were, you know, starting lots of colts before then, and then and I wanted to get into the cutting, but I didn't know how to do it, and so I started hanging out with. Uh, I would go watch Shannon Hall and Tommy Marvin and Dirk Blakesley, and and watch those guys, but. You know, back then, nobody would help anybody. You just watched, and nobody would. You could ask them a question, and they'd, or they, you could ask them if they'd watch you work your horse, and they'd say they would. And then when you start working it, they'd go somewhere else and work somewhere, you know, work a horse somewhere else, you know. And so um, the first year, I went to, I was at the chain ranch, and I bought a daughter of Mr. Freckles, Olina. And I gave 3500 for this yearling filly, which was like, you could sell a really nice broke horse for 3500 And I bought this colt, and I, I rode her. I was going to show her at the Kansas Futurity. And right before the Futurity, there was a lightning storm, and she ran through a five-wire fence and cut herself to pieces. So I turned her out. I had to turn her out for like two months, so I missed the Futurity. But I got her in and legged her, got her legged up enough. She still had medicine, you know, on her, you know, wounds when I took her to the Kansas Championship Ranch Rodeo when I worked for Chains. And I won the top horse on her as a three-year-old at Kansas Championship Ranch. I mean, I roped the cow, drug the calves, team roped, uh, sorted on her in the sorting. And then, and, uh, and got lucky enough there to win top hand and then went to, the, in April, we went to, the Oklahoma Range Roundup at Guthrie, and as a four-year-old in April, she won the top horse at the Range Roundup and in there. And then, then I left Chains right after that because I wanted to do my own thing. And so, um, I bought a place in Dodge City, and I sold that mare to make the down payment to mm. to buy the place. And then, so I trained horses there for nine years, but. But I didn't, I wanted to train cutting horses, but I didn't have any, uh, I didn't, I didn't have any customers and I never had worked for a cutting horse trainer. (laughs) So I don't know why it was a big deal to get, you know, I was like, well, obviously you're going to bring me some horses. Yeah. Didn't you hear about Medicine Lodge? Yeah. It went really good. So. And so I work way better than basketball. <laughs> yeah. So, so, okay. How old well, were you when you bought this horse for 3,500? Oh, 20, 22, probably. Right. Yeah. On. 21 or two. So, so just out of college. And- yeah. I just got out of college and I just had got married and, uh, I was 23, I guess I just got married and, um, and my wife had a, had a daughter from a previous marriage. So I I'd, I'd raised her as my own Jordan and, um, she's, um, She's an 89 model, so what'd that make her coming? 30. She'll be 31 in May. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so that was, uh, I had her, and and so we were working at the ranch and doing that. I trained that horse uh, just out on the wheat. I'd just drive one off and put it on a hot wire fence and hold it on the fence and work it that way, and that's how I trained her. But then um, after, when we moved to Dodge and I sold it, and I couldn't, I mean, nobody's going to send you a horse ride. I wanted to do the cutting, so I started... uh, (laughs) I just would ride the cutters for free. I didn't know how else to get them to ride. So uh, well, I would charge them for 60 days training to get them started. And then I'd put them on a $150 a month board and I would train them to, and they had to pay my entry at the Kansas Futurity. Never another broke day. Yeah. Wow. 
And so the first one, um, uh, the first one I took to the Kansas fraternity, I marked a 71 in the first go around of the fraternity. And that horse had only been worked in a pen with a cow two times. I took it to Dirk's the week before the fraternity. I just worked it out on the, in the wheat pasture. And so when I got, when I, after the first go round, I was like, I borrowed a saddle, a cutting saddle from John Clark and Dirk Blakesley loaned me a pair of shaps and I marked a 71 and I got in the parking lot and I was like, this is, I got this. This is easy. Like, this is, you know what I mean? Like, this is no big deal. Here like, we I go. come back and I'm marking, if I mark another one of these or two, I'm going to be in the finals. You know, we got, cause this is like first of September, you know, and, uh, uh, it was right at two and a half years before I marked a 71 again. <laughs> well, this story sounds, this story sounds like we're talking to somebody that's 85 years old. And when he was 22 in 1934, he worked his horse out on the farm and then he took it to town twice and went to a horse show. But so what year did that happen? But the story would have been a lot cooler, but I didn't win anything. Well, it, I mean, it just, it, it kind of peters so, out after that. Cause it sounds like it's really going to be awesome. Really going somewhere. Yeah, like, hey, did you, so you won uh, the fraternity? Oh no, no, no. I never got no. out of the second round. Yeah, no. But, but, but but still, I mean, there. This was in a time when this was not happening, right? And right. there was people right outside. The people that owned the horse were waiting there to pick it up after the second go around. Yeah, they took it. <laughs> they took it right home. So yeah. I mean, but what are we talking like? Oh four. Mm, yeah, whatever. I'm 48, so uh, yeah, that would have been in probably yeah somewhere right around there. Yeah. Oh four. So. Yeah. So this <laughs> this century. So- but so at college, when you get on with the rodeo team, mm-hmm. yep. you had not roped yet. No, I had roped at a dummy. Uh, you know, I had I had a rope, and uh, I had bought some plastic horns because that's what you do. I mean, if you're going to be a roper, you, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. But if you so, don't have a rope, you're just a boy with right, a horse. Right, <laughs> right, right. And I borrowed some hay, and I put it on there and roped it. So, but it was... Uh, but yeah, no, I hadn't, I hadn't roped or anything. And so I really worked hard at the, like at the roping, like I roped the dummy a lot. And, and I know if you saw me rope today, you'd say, really, you worked hard at it? <laughs> but I did, I did. I worked my butt off. And uh, that's what his dad was talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, so I roped, I roped as much as I could then. And, but I was just, you know, I, every time I'd get a horse that you could back in the box and kind of, I'd just sell it, you know, cause I needed to pay for something or yeah so i never kept a a nice horse or and never never had a nice horse to keep you know up and then like i said when when i left the ranch i had to sell the good horses that i did have and i was team roping quite a bit when i worked there like i was going and roping a lot and uh but i really wanted to do the cutting so so that's what when i went to dodge i was riding lots of barrel horses um for a lot you know i'd started some Colts, Fallon Taylor's uh, grandpa was sending horses that Fallon was getting, and you know that they were buying her some high-powered horses. Well, a lot of those horses would just get too strong for her, and and they would send them. And I'd just use them on the ranch, rope on them, use them, and uh, I would work them on the barrels. But I just had one barrel, and I just set up one barrel, and I just come at it from every direction and turn it that one barrel. And a lot of times, those girls. When they take them home, they got along good for for a while. You know, they'd get along good. Even if those horses were blown plumb up, they might go win first. At, I mean, some of those horses were really high-dollar horses. 
And so I would just, I just had one barrel and I just set it up and I'd just come at it from the southeast and I'd come at it from the northwest. And I just got, <laughs> they knew, by they better turn it, you know. A barrel. Yeah. Just turn the just barrel. Just turn it. Yeah, whichever side you're on now, let's end up on the other side when we get done, you know. And so <laughs> I just worked them and uh, I was riding lots of barrel horses and, and that's what was paying the bills when I went to Dodge, is just starting those barrel colts and um, Lenita Powers, uh, actually from here, um, you know, uh, she was living at Guthrie and I was riding a lot of the horses for her and, and uh, Anissa Self, Tom Self's wife. And they were, I mean, there was, there was a bunch of good horses there that they were sending and leaving them for four to six, seven months. They weren't real short termers where a guy could. And then, like I said, I had to have those all the time because I was still doing the free cutting horse, you know. <laughs> Got support my Got support my free cutting horse business. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So do you yeah. keep any barrel horses around now? Um, I, I do sometimes. Yeah. Every once in a while, I still take a few here and there. Uh, I, I, I screen them though. The ones that straighten their legs out like two feet above the ground. Yeah. I don't get on those anymore. <laughs> yeah. The ones that kind of move closer to the ground. Yeah. I just watch them trot around and tell them if I'll, yeah, I'll ride that one or no, no, thank you. Uh, yeah. I have friends. There you go. Yeah. I'm, yeah. We're, we're busy. Uh, but, um, but yeah, no, I still ride, still ride a few of those uh, here and there. But I've been at this place I'm at now since '05, and um, and we didn't rope or anything. I sold the rope horses and everything when I got there because we just kind of focused on getting better, being down here amongst all these guys that were better and and learning and and getting better at at what we were doing. And so we were just, you know, pretty much for ten years we just were cutting. And then, but then now that my my boy he's uh, he'll be 12 this month, but he ropes a lot and likes to rope. So we've really started roping a lot in the last, oh, three or four years. We've got back to the roping deal a lot. And, and at the right time too, cause the rope horse deal is just exploding now. Yeah. And it's, you know, and so it's perfect timing really, which is totally lucky luck right. deal, but, but it's been the rope horse deal. You know, now you can sell a, a nice rope horse for a lot more than an average cutting horse, you know. So um, it's really, it's been that part, that deal's been good, really good. Right. And where are you training them out of right now? I'm at Wayne, Oklahoma. I work for Dan Churchill at uh, Circle C Ranch. And um, like I said, I've been with him since 05. I was riding some horses for him before um, I came up here. And um, he was in between um, people at the ranch and, and, uh, and so um, I got divorced and was needing, uh, I was going to, I sold my place, was going to lease a place out there to train. And he said, why don't you just come stay the winter here? And so I did. And, and that's where I've been ever since. So. And you guys sell a lot of prospects, cow horse cutting prospects out of there, huh? I mean, yeah. I had tornado watch come off that place. Yep, yep. And uh, that's one I had. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know you see that Dan Churchill and Circle C, you see it yeah. all over the place. Yeah, and that's kind of what we do. I'm, you know, I. It's not. Everybody gives me a hard time for not wanting to go show, and it's not that I don't enjoy showing, but I've kind of worked myself into a position there where I can't be gone. I mean, I've got, you know, we're taking care of that whole place, and we've got 350 mom cows, and and um, and we've got some good people, great people there. I mean, that, that Jordan Grinnendike runs the broodmare deal, and she takes care of the breeding and stuff, and and um, I've got some good guys that are helping me take care of cattle and uh um but you know it's still like i'm the one that is going to get you know i'm the one that has to be i'm responsible for the whole deal so and my boss lives in illinois so he's not 
he's not around there so I just have a hard time being gone for very long and so I've kind of you know unless we have something if it's just strictly an open horse that I think is you know that that won't really fit him to get on I I just sell him you know because if it's something that's good enough for the open that I think would take care of him too and the amateur if he decides to show up then I'll keep it around for a while and show it um but you know like Caddy's hope that Michael Cooper had, you know, they won 278,000 on her or something. You know, I, I love that horse, I thought. But I knew that she wasn't going to be an amateur horse. She was, she was so cowy and so smart that I knew that she would just take over too much and get almost impossible to show in the open because she would take care of herself so much for him. You know, and he might have had a good – little three-year-old run there but by the time she was four four and a half I knew she'd just be tipped over and cowed down and locked up every you know it'd just be really tough to and you know so we sold her and and Michael Cooper won all the money on her and did an awesome job of of showing her and uh and everybody gives me you know why'd you sell that mare you know but I just didn't think I knew that she wouldn't fit for Dan and I and that's the way I try to look at the horses like if it's something that I can go win 30 or 40 on and Dan can win 15 or 20 on then we'll keep them around you know and then sell them as long four-year-olds or five-year-olds or something but if it's something that it's just strictly for the open I'd rather sell them for 100 or 150 and, and that's just like winning third you know it's yep. paternity All so right. yeah so that's kind of been our motto is just you know um you know try to you know, we x-ray all those colts. I don't even saddle them if they got bad x-rays. We don't even throw a saddle on them. We just sell them. And, and, then, and not that everything we sell has bad x-rays because I go through there, and if there's something I just don't like, or like if I've sold the mare, I might sell all of her colts, you know, just let somebody else promote those colts and start promoting the next colts out of whatever mare, you know, the next up-and-comer. But, uh, but so anyway, that's kind of what we do. How many mares? How many mares do you have that you're breeding a year now? Around about? nine. I mean, usually it's between nine and 11 mares, and we raise between 15 and 18 babies, 14 to 18 babies a year. And then I try to – we used to start them all. I just didn't – that deal just doesn't – it just doesn't. I think, you know, when you go to the finals of any event and you walk around back there, those horses all look the same. And so if they don't look like that, don't – you know what I mean? Like – you know, I'm not saying you can't have a nice little horse, but you, they need to look a certain way. Sure. In my opinion, you know, as three-year-olds, you'll see some horses sneak through there, but you won't see them in May or June or July. They're four-year-old year. Those horses are gone, and the rest of those horses all have that a look about them, you know, that they need to have that look. Right. And um, so, you know, I try to go through there and just kind of, pick out those those horses and and of course then we have some young mares that if it's their first crop or two of babies i'll i'll ride them just so i can feel of them you know just get them going just because i want unless there's just something hideously wrong with their confirmation or something i'll go ahead and start them just because i want to see but um but that's kind of our what we do is just kind of you know raising something that and try to put a really good foundation on them and work them and and six days a week and work cattle and go rope some check outside cattle just do the whole deal and then they can go whatever way the horse decides to go sure. you know so and for anybody that hadn't been out there this is a cool place i hadn't i only got to go out there once or twice i think but this is a large ranch 
Yeah, it's a cool place. We got for this uh, part of the world. Yeah, anyway. we got just under five thousand acres, and it's all together, and it's it's pretty. It's pretty, and it, you know he, he's built us a beautiful arena. And I mean, there's just <clears throat> as far as facilities go. I mean, I I I I don't. That's another reason I don't like to go anywhere. Cause <laughs> I mean, it's just like you're spoiled out there. Just, if you want to rope, cut, fish, yeah. hunt, you know, whatever you want to do, you can do it all right there. And, Both sides, uh, I thirty five. Mm-hmm. In Wayne, Oklahoma, as I recall. Yep, yep, mm-hmm. yep. If you decide you want to go interrupt this year at the Reno Snaffle Bit Fraternity, you can go online at renosnafflebitfraternity.com and check out your entry forms and the time and place. And so, but you, when you first started there, did you start out, you didn't really start out with this plan. How did it work into where you're thinking more about course you're keeping what you think will fit dan i think earlier you said that that horse wouldn't show for long in the open but what you meant is it wouldn't show long for the amateur well what i meant right, was i didn't think it would be good enough for the open if we were sharing it like right it right. would have just yeah. got too just too I see what self-preservation you're With- would have taken over and it would have just been too locked down on the cow to, to really open up and, and be a, a point stealer you know where like michael didn't have to share it he worked her Right, uh, a horse right. length by the cow everywhere he went and went mark 225s and fours and you know whatever every time you know and he could just sit there and let her jog around and mark 19s you know so i just didn't feel like that you know she just was so she knew what the cow was going to do before it was going to do it you know and i just knew with an amateur she was going to get um, way ahead yeah yeah d- yeah so but did when you started there so the way the program works now you're looking for something that you can show in the open loan dan can show in the amateur mm-hmm. but is that how when you first went there was that the way you were looking at it no or, not necessarily or did man. it just evolve it just kind of evolved that way and I, you know because when i first came i thought that i wanted to win the world and, yeah yeah be the be the champ and and uh and all that stuff and 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 we would, you know, and that's that's kind of how I got the deal. Because when I first came there, I was just training horses. And then Shannon Hall, David Stewart, and those guys, they'd come pick through them. And they'd take what they wanted and then leave. Well, what it worked out good. When I got there in September 26th of 05, the two-year-olds weren't started. Mm. And the, the boy that was there was a fantastic hand and a good kid. But he had had some trouble with alcohol. And he... He had just, he, what? <laughs> he had, uh, but he had, uh, he, he got, he got in some, he got in trouble and, and he had, and they'd run him off. And, and so them Colts had just sat around there for whatever reason, Dan hadn't sent them off and they were just standing around. And when I got there, Dan said, just forget about those horses. He said, you can do whatever you want to. There was only seven of them. But um, when I came, I brought 14 outside horses with me because I was cleaning up from what I had. And, and so, um, he just said, just whatever, just forget about this set of horses. They're, we're, they're too far gone, you know, and uh, we'll just start on the next set after the first of the year. Well, I just wanted to work in them. There was just seven, so I just got after them every day, two or three times a day. And, uh, and, and then in April, they were, they were doing pretty good. And so I said, you might not have them guys come take a peek at them because they're not, I mean, they're not, they're good horses, you know. And so... It would have been a dual ray mare out of uh, Hickory's Tornado Rio, the grandmother t- Tornado Watch, and then there was a, a full sister to to uh, Tornado Watch's mother, which was Tornado's first mate. There was a full sister to her named another Tornado mate. They were the same age; they were two year olds that year. 
anyway, I got them going, and I thought they were they were great. Dang, definitely the best horses I'd ever been on by a long ways. And uh, Miss C Ray was one of them, which is the mother to Bittersweet that Chad Bashaw won non-pro horse, the, you know, the uh, horse of the year last last year, year before, whatever. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, really nice horses and. And but those guys came in April and they were still too green, you know. David and Shannon, like, yeah, you know. I mean, yeah, we got some like that, you know. Right. Yeah, no stars here, and so, and that was the that that one day that those guys came and passed on those horses was really is probably the main reason I'm still there because those guys left and. And I just went back to working them, you know, and Dan was kind of like, oh, shucks, you know. And I said, well, you said to throw them away anyway. So I'm just, yeah. just going to keep working them. So I just kept on trucking. And then, and then fraternity time gets close, and the dual ray mare out of Hickory's Tornado Rio's great. I mean, I just thought she was fantastic. So Dan had some horses in training with Ashley Backstrom, and he said, uh, Ashley's going to come down there and let him pick one of those colts to show. Well, she was by far the best one. And so he comes down there and works them, and he's like, yeah, I want that one. So he takes her. And then uh, uh, leaves me with uh, another Tornado Mate and, and Miss C. Ray and, and a few of those others. Well, Miss C. Ray, she was a rotten-minded little dual ray, lay down, you know, just squat down, lay down all the time. And, and uh, she felt like she could do all the stuff, but... Anyway, Ashley sold her to Marilyn Franz, who ended up breeding her to Metallic Cat and got several of those. Bo did good on some of them, Bo Gallion, and then, and then Chad got that bittersweet without her. She ended up, like, we sold her, you know, for, like, 40 or something, and Jack Turner showed her some. And then another Tornado mate, Dan made uh, the semifinals on her in the non-pro at the Futurity. So I, I showed up at the Futurity, and I'd never shown there. I'd never been there. So in 07, to watch. no, no, never been down there. So in 07, I, I pulled down there with this mare and a kid loping for me and I, you know, bebop in there and I don't even go in early. I'm such a dip wad that I show <laughs> up just in time, like for the set before, you know, <laughs> so I get there and I go in there and Buster's showing Buster Welch is showing like a son of Hyder or something. The last time he showed at the fraternity, I think, was, and he's showing there. So I'm standing there watching him, and then, and Boyd Rice, which I knew Boyd from showing at Amarillo a lot. So I'm see Boyd, and then Lloyd Cox, see Lloyd Cox, you know, and I see all these guys that I'd seen in the magazines and stuff, and Austin Shepard, and so anyway, so I'm just, I just kind of lock up, you know, I'm just kind of like, well, you know, the sand and the sand and the lights and right. these people, you know, and so I just kind of like, I just go into this kind of a We're fog. We're not in Medicine Lodge anymore. No. no, no. So I go into this kind of a fog, you know, and uh, so I show the horse and I'm riding out and Austin Shepard crawls over the stands and he says, hey, um, Casey, I'm Austin Shepard. And I was like, yeah, I know, you know, I know who you are. And he goes, will you sell that horse? And I thought, was she good? I mean, I didn't even know. I didn't even know, like, what happened. I hadn't even looked up yet. I didn't know what the score was. I don't remember the run, anything. (laughs) And so I ride back there, and I was like, 207? And he's interested? You know what? You know? And uh, he's like, oh, yeah, no, you showed her. Terrible. But that looks like a really good horse. (laughs) And so... uh, 
And so I called Dan, and Dan didn't even have a slot bought for the non-pro because he was like, these horses aren't, they won't be ready. And that's when I called Dan and said, hey, you might want to buy a slot because they're trying to buy this horse. Like, you know, Clint Allen wanted to buy her for Julie Wrigley, and, and Austin was trying to buy her for somebody of his. And, and so I was like, man. So I called Dan, so he just flies in there, gets on her, and uh, marks a 16 in the first go and then comes back and marks a 15 and a half maybe and makes the semifinals. And, um, and so when we got home, I had several different people down there talk to me. I had several Colts. Uh, uh, I had a Marauders Money Talks mare made the finals in the amateur that we'd sold right before the fraternity. And then uh, Ashley made the semifinals in the open on the dual ray mare, the same. And so out of those seven, we had two in the semifinals, one in the finals. Of, you know, that's that little... Pretty and good so, for a crop that was supposed to just get forgot about. Thrown away. Yeah, so yeah. so I was, you know, and I was stoked and and uh, but then after the period we got home and went back to work and and Dan come down and, and he said and I I had several people talk to me about some jobs and and they were good, like good jobs. And but I didn't want to leave that place. I really liked that place. I thought it was cool. But I didn't like starting all the cults and then having those guys just come in there and take what they want, you know. And so um Dan came and he and I was talking to him. I said, "Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep doing my thing here for you as long as I can, but I'm gonna start looking for a job. I've got some people talking to me about some stuff, and I'm kind of gonna look for." And I mean, it just kind of, I mean, it's like I punched him in the mouth. You know? I thought, <laughs> well, I thought, man, he, you know, you're gonna fire me, you know, before I. Even, but I, he left, and and I just kept riding there, and and he should come back about three hours later, and he said, "Well, why don't we?" Uh, why don't we just discuss what we're going to do from now on with the horses and make decisions together, and then, and then you just stay and do whatever you want. I was like, okay, and that was the end of it. Nothing was ever, nothing was ever said about it again. And I just told him that I said, if, if there's a horse that I want to sell, and you don't want to sell, then then you just pay me a five percent commission uh, when it leaves the barn of what I think it's worth that day. And then you can sell it for a million or a hundred thousand or 800,000 or do whatever you want to do. And it, I'm, you know, or give it away or let the grandkids run the key keystone race on it or whatever you want to do. And, and I'll, I'm, I'm out, you know? And, and so he was like, yeah, that's, you know, that's fair. So that's what we did. And he sent, he still sent horses off there for two or three years, but not, not one of those horses that, you know, I I thought we could get the most for then ever brought more later, you know. And so, you know, I think and then and then and I understand all that. I mean, I you know, he took him a little bit. You know, you got to he's a successful, very intelligent, successful guy. And he, you know, he got to keep all his options open for a minute to make. But after a while, you know, I'd have one say, I don't think this one's going to fit. Well, yeah, just, okay, yeah, get rid of it or do whatever you want to do with it. If you, you know what I mean? It was no more, you know, and now I don't, I mean, I tell him what I'm thinking about doing and he, yeah, yeah, that sounds great. Right. You know, whatever you think. So, I mean, we've, it just, it takes a while, you know. No, and, sure. You got to build that trust and build that relationship up to where you know, like say, everybody knows that everybody's on the same page and, you know, we're trying to get the best that we can out of the whole program here. Yeah. And he's, and he's an attorney and he's, he's, uh, that's been good too, that we were both, uh, honest, uh, probably to a fault, you know, as far as the horses go, I'm not trying to, you can't, 
you can't trick anybody in this business. I mean, I, maybe you could 20 years ago. Those days are gone. I mean, those days are so far gone. There's no sense trying to trick somebody. I, I want to sell you, I want to sell you eight or ten horses. I don't want to sell you one. You know, so so we've just tried to be just brutally honest about what we think, and and uh, and and he agrees. You know, if we go to the sale, we tell him. You know. You want the X-rays? Here they are. And it, but 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 the guys that go to the sale, the guys that trade horses, and the guys that buy our horses, they don't even look at the X-rays. They just ask me, "Hey, which one has good X-rays? And right. or if they're bad, what are they?" And I tell them, and they just make a note of it. And then when they go look at the X-rays, they're exactly like what we said. And then so they don't have to spend the money to cost the vets a little money because they don't get that eighty bucks every time. But right, the vets don't. They don't like it that much. But but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, I, I just think that's the only way to do to do that kind of business because you know we just want to sell them every year and and right. uh, have people come and and have a product that people like, you know. And a good place to take one of those good horses to sell them would be the Reno Snafflebit Viterdi Horse Sale. <laughs> yeah, they've got an incentive there, Russell, for the yearlings and the two-year-olds. Last year, the two-year-old incentive paid four thousand dollars in the open and the non-pro. Pretty good place to sell one or buy one. Well, what struck out struck to, struck me in that conversation is that he had these colts that were behind, and he was willing to give up on them and move on to the next set. Which, how often, Russell, do you hear of that happening? Like for me, you'll see that situation come up. And they're like, "Hey, you got to double time it on these colts because they're eight months behind." Yeah, and you got to get it fixed. And they will chase their tail for four sets of colts and stay behind the whole time instead of just scrapping that set and maybe at that stage in your career had he said hey you gotta double team these horses we gotta get them to be worth something you'd probably there probably wouldn't have been one of them made yeah, yeah. what blowed up yeah because it, it's you're like hey yeah. this is all cotton candy i mean yeah no matter what i do it's yeah. better than what he's expecting yeah that actually though never crossed my mind because i was thinking if i don't get these things trained i mean i was so where i came from dude like dude where i came from like they would bring you those colts in august or september and they'd run them off a stock trailer and they'd say we're going to want to show this horse at the oklahoma early bird fraternity in depew august 10th that's that's just under 12 months so and then they would just drive away you know what i mean and or South Dakota, they want you to. They'd bring the, you know, Lowden Beston would bring me these colts from South Dakota, and so I want you know, it'd be out of a, it'd be a Cialina out of a two-eyed Jack mare, and he'd say, I wanted to show this in the Breeders' Fraternity uh, September first, and I was like, you know, it's like. So it's, Dan's like, hey, these aren't going to make it. You're like, why? This is yeah. where we always start, <laughs> yeah. and these already well, started. They're just a little behind. <laughs> yeah. like, these things are halter broke. Like, this is so easy. Are you crazy? Well, I remember when I went I, that first day. I went down there and I saddled those horses, and they saddled like they were ten because that guy that was there, he would saddle them, and then leave he, them tied. He put them on the walker, and then he go and then he come Away. back about oh, unsaddle these horses i've been working you know type of deal <laughs> well so they would saddle like they were oh well i remember saddling and looking back and the stall cleaner was sticking his head around the corner of the barn and i thought well, that was kind of odd so i i went on and kind of messed around there a little bit and and they wouldn't even get tied or they wouldn't do anything and so i and he's like i look back over there and he kind of ducked back behind the wall <laughs> and then about the third time i was like hey is there a problem he goes uh no there's no problem but uh 
you're not going to ride that horse, are you? <laughs> <laughs> and I'd say, yeah, that's my job. And he said, man, I wouldn't do that if I was you. <laughs> I would not get on that horse. <laughs> and then, like, a few minutes later, I found out why. I mean, anyway, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was just like getting on a ping pong ball in there. And they flip it. I mean, could you take a horse that's been saddled a hundred times that never been rode? <laughs> they don't know. I mean, they think that's the deal. This you know? is it. My this job's is it. done. This is it. And then, like, you change that deal. And, I mean, you talk about, I mean, it was unbelievable. <laughs> I'm talking about, like, I, I'd never, I mean, I broke some pretty bad horses that weren't close to being as set in, the, you know, the fact that you weren't going to ride them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And some of them weren't. Some of them you just got on road. You know, like the Marauders Money Talks, you just stepped on road off. But those dual rays that have been saddled a hundred times and never rode. So you uh, got, were you, you a got, little more apprehensive on the second one? I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> Once again, I got like in that fog. I think I hit my head on the first one and I was just kind of blacked out. I just kept rolling through it, you know, and just kept going. But uh, it was... Uh, yeah, so it was yeah, it was a mess there for a little bit, but there was nobody down there. It was just me. I was and the stall cleaner peeking around the corner, you know. <laughs> and uh, and we didn't have cell phones back then. He wasn't even gonna call anybody if something happened. He was just gonna walk, probably just pick me up with a fork, and move put me you out. on the dead pile, and yeah. Yeah. go on. Yeah, so hey, boss, we I need a new him. we need a new hand. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I told him. Yeah. yeah, I told him. So I never, I never even dawned on. I mean, never even thought about it being like. You know, I just, oh, yeah, this this guy, I mean, he's wrong. I mean, you know, he'd been, he'd been, you know, he'd been taught and Shannon and all that, you know, you got to have him early and we got to work him seven days a week and this long, you know, this, and, but I knew, I knew that, that we could do it. I mean, I knew it could be done. I knew some of them, if they were good horses, I mean, that we could do it, you know, I mean, the bad ones that you can't have enough time. You know, right. but yeah, there's Two not years. enough time. Yeah, three years. It doesn't matter. No, it doesn't make any difference. But on those horses, the better ones. You know, I knew we had enough time to get them, to get them ready. You know, for something. You know, so that's all. <laughs> the nearest, all. the nearest thing I can relate to that is you get one of them old uh, reining horses that's been. You know, they might be 10, 11 years old, but they've never had a back cinch on them. Oh. And I'm talking about these rascals. I mean, bro, kid horses will buck your hind parts off. Mm-hmm. And they don't get over it very fast either. No. Wow. Uh, so I'm I'm sure it's pretty much a similar sensation. Yeah. The dual rate has been saddled a hundred times, never had anybody swing a leg over it. Yeah. Hey, so Casey, you know, like after your dad trained on you a little bit and then you decided to be a trainer after the flag, what would be another training incident that your dad showed you? Oh, man. Well, like on uh, Saturdays and Sundays, my dad was a big, like, the yard was perfect. He kept everything perfect around the house. I mean, he just, everything, we weeded and mowed. Like when, uh, I remember my brother's three years younger than me, and when he graduated from high school, my dad came riding home on a riding lawnmower. <laughs> we were like, what in the hell? And he was like, oh, yeah, no, I'm not mowing this thing. <laughs> you guys have been mowing it for 18 years uh, or 22 years. You then. guys are I mean, going yeah, yeah, I'm That's, not mowing it. Yeah, right. But I remember one time when I was a kid, um, he had come and got me. I was out monkeying around with some. We lived in the country for three years from the time I was uh, like eight to 11. We lived in the country for a minute. Dad bought this house before we switched jobs and went to another town to coach and and uh he was putting new windows in on the south side of the house and and he was over there and it was you know it was 
tough by himself, and he come and found me and said, "Hey, I need you to come put these, help me put these windows in." Well, I didn't. It's the last thing I wanted to do. I mean, I just, you know. <laughs> so I'm standing there and I'm holding these windows up, and Dad, he, hey, just a little bit there and there, and and uh, I hold them, you know, and then, you know, <laughs> and um, this goes on for. 20, 30 minutes every once in a while. I'm just saying, hey, hey, just drop a little bit. Yeah. You know, it's kind of, <laughs> and so, and uh, pretty soon he just whacks me in the head and says, why don't you sigh one more time and see where that gets you? <laughs> and so, so now, now I have to hold my hands above my head and hold windows for the rest of the day without breathing. <laughs> but I pulled it off. Yep, got it done. Yeah, I could so relate to that. One more time. Do that one more time and see what happens. Yeah, yeah just try it out. See what yeah. happens. Do it. I'm gonna yeah. suffocate you with a flag. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bundle you up in it and throw you in the river. Yeah, another time, another time was I was always mean to my brother, like terrible, terrible. Just I was like the worst older brother, terrible. And um, and uh, he, I, he was wanting to play basketball. We, of course, we had a basketball goal and a, and a little pad Dad had put out there. We were playing basketball because we were so good at it. <laughs> and uh, so we're out there, and um, and I'm messing with him. And dad's around the house. He's doing something, painting. I don't know what he was doing. But he was working. He was working. I'm, I'm messing with Corey. I'm just jacking with him. And Corey's getting, he's getting pissed. And he's, you know, he's starting to say stuff. And I'm, I'm, I'm laughing. You know, I'm hitting him with the ball. Taking it. You know. Older brother, younger brother. Younger brother. Three years younger. So I, we, have a two, we didn't have a tire. I didn't have a tack room or anything. We lived out there. I had two, he had, I had two horses out there. And I kept all my stuff in that in that shop made two horse trailer. That was a, it had a tack under the manger, and I just had a little saddle and you know one bridle and some brushes and bunch just a bunch of stuff. And uh, Dad he walks out there, he just storms. He just walks right past us. I'm I'm messing with him, and I'm mean, here he comes. He walks, and I mean he walks like. Uh, well, when he was an administrator at the schools, the kids called him the enforcer. <laughs> and, you know, chest forward. You know, chest in front of his belt, and he would stride. His arms would swing, and he was looking straight ahead. I mean, just like a velociraptor. <laughs> like, whoever he's coming for, like, you're going down. You know what I mean? Like, whoever it is. So, he, he comes striding by me, and he is pissed. And I was like, I was pretty sure it was at me, but he didn't even look. He just went by. And so, I'm like, wonder what he's doing. He walks over to the trailer, and he swings open the trailer door, and he starts grabbing my stuff, and he's throwing it like a baseball. He throws it at one piece at a time. I mean, there's stuff everywhere. It looks like a tornado happened out there. Like, there's this brushes, saddle blankets, blank, saddle, bridles, you know, halters. They're just scattered all over it. And he comes back, and he said, why don't you just pick that up? And he said, if, you, if there's one thing, you know, if there's, if there's anything that's not cleaned and oiled when you put it back in there, he said, I'm getting rid of every bit of it, and I'm hauling them horses to town. And he just turned around, went back, and went to scraping, painting, whatever he was doing. <laughs> and, so, and so 
my brother, you know, is standing over there and he's like around the corner of the house, you know, and uh, I, my dad grabs him from around the corner and just whips his ass. (laughs) And so that was, uh, you know, so then I picked up all my stuff. I was happy then. <laughs> At least I didn't get whipped. Yeah, Corey went young and he went. Take else. Yeah, so. brilliant, Corey. Yeah, yeah. So this is because you were getting picked on. Yes, yeah. And you had and to you, make it bad. And you, all you had to you do had to do just be all quiet. All you had to do is be quiet for a minute, but you couldn't do it, you idiot. Yeah. So. Yeah. So basically, we put the fun in the dysfunctional, I guess. Yeah. So my aunt always swore we were. My aunt, she always swore. She's like, "You guys are abused. Like, there's no question about it. Like, your father, and this is his sister. She would say, you know, he's he's that's abuse. Like, he's abusive. Right. But then we would sit there and we'd try to think of something that we didn't have coming, and we could not think <laughs> I of it. Come no, up with it. We I had don't. it. We had it coming every time. Uh, and yeah. after you have kids, you look back. You're like, no wonder he was so mad. Yeah, so all the time. So angry. Like, yeah, I get it. Yeah, the worst part about parenthood, which we shouldn't tell Chris because he's just he hasn't got there yet. But <laughs> the worst part is the disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> I surely, I thought surely this won't go the same as it did for me. <laughs> this has got to go different. I, the, he is so overreactive to everything. <laughs> Yeah. I'm really not being that bad. <laughs> uh, but here we are. Here we yeah, are. That's right. <laughs> All in one place. <laughs> that's awesome. A quick break for a word from our sponsor, Reno Snaffle Bit Fraternity, taking place at the Reno Sparks Livestock Event Center, September 13th through 20th. Hey, it's going to be a phenomenal show, Chris. They've got horse show. They've got last year, they paid out over $404,000 at this event. It is a... It's a huge boost to the industry. It's a place to be with them. Fraternity Horses, Lance Johnson went there and made more money. Yeah. <laughs> made him a superstar for made the year him right there. Maybe the highest earning rider of all time in a single year. In a single year. To my knowledge, I don't know, and I would dare anybody to find stats to prove me wrong. He won yeah. over 300000 last year. Yep. Insane. And, and Nick Dowers won it for $50,000 to first. So Wow. He didn't, Lance didn't even get first. And oh, still, he didn't. Well, See, there you go. There you go. That's a pretty good horse show right there. And you know what else? You can check out some big eds while you're there. Oh, love me some big eds. I do ed. miss me some big eds. I miss going to Reno and getting them big eds prime rib. Oh, man. I love their meatloaf. I was a fan of their meatloaf sandwiches. That's what they do with the prime rib three, four, or five <laughs> days later and grind it up and make that meatloaf. I'll take it on the first it's day. aged. It's aged. The second day, you get the prime rib sandwich. (laughs) Good's good. (laughs) So what about you go from college to winning top hand, and you haven't roped at college yet, and you go to winning top hand. I told you I was practicing. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, right now, you haven't roped yet. (laughs) (laughs) I had that dummy. Uh, I mean, I've seen, like, I stood in behind that sawhorse and I stood behind that dummy for just hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. So, what about when you get the rope on your hand? Oh, that's a bad. Did I tell you that story? <laughs> yeah, I did. I read on Facebook. Oh, yeah. So, uh, I don't have, I don't have that either. <laughs> um, yeah. That was another, th- I mean, I was, I was just out of high school then. So I, 
I, I didn't really know how to rope even, but I had a, I had a horse and I had a rope and I was living on this ranch and I was working for my, uh, for my rent and they wouldn't ever let me ride my horse really. What they had was the whole deal was, is they had, uh, 80 acres of sowed feed and they had eight joints of gated pipe. And my job was to move those eight <laughs> joints every single morning. Now, now early in the spring, it's not that bad because you're just walking through ankle deep feed. But then by, you know, into July, that feed's higher than your head. And you had to move them eight joints. So it's just like you took a shower. You know, you were just soaking from walking through that feed at daylight. But I had to move those eight joints the length of that field, eight joints down, then put eight joints of the six-inch pipe in, and then the, and then put the eight joints, and then the next day, pick those eight up, move them down another eight, and put eight in, in their spot and move it down. And then when you got to that end, it was great because then you just started right back down <laughs> the other way the whole summer. And so, but I finally, I had a calf that was, it wasn't even sick. It was just like on the other side of the fence from the cow, which now... Obviously, you don't do anything. You just drive down there with a pickup, <laughs> and the calf goes back with his cow. But I was an irrigated pipe mover. Cowboy. And I wanted to be a cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, had, I had to sneak up pretty, pretty sneakily to keep that calf from getting back with his mother before I got there. <laughs> and I tied it on hard and fast like all good cow punchers do. And I built to it, and I roped it. No problem. I was like, this is awesome. I'm a cowboy. I'm right by the road. Everybody can see. Somebody could see if they Maybe. come by. <laughs> I step off the horse. I flank the calf. This calf doesn't weigh 110 pounds. <laughs> I flank the calf and I'm on it and I'm, yeah, I'm you know, doing cowboy stuff. And I take the, I'm going to take the rope off. And I don't know what I was going to do, but I was going to take the rope off and do something. And I had not tied the rein off. I had not done... My horse is just... This horse that hasn't been roped on is just standing back here loose with a horn tied around the saddle horn. And as I start to do something with the rope, a truck goes by on the road. I'm like, yes. somebody's. pose? I go, yeah, to arch my back. (laughs) And the horse bolts. And the rope comes down around my wrist. (laughs) And it jerks me off that calf probably 20 feet. And when I hit the ground, it it, luckily, having small ladylike hands, it folds my hand up and peels all the hide off my hand. Well, I was lucky. And comes through. So I'm laying there with a mouthful of gravel and all the hide off my hand. The calf is sucking its mother already. And my horse is about two and a half miles south of there. And the truck just slows down. And he looks out of his window, like behind him to see. And I get up like I'm spitting out dirt. And I'm, you know, I'm thinking about like almost dying, you know. You just like if a bomb went off and you, am I still here? You know, am I still alive? And then Did he just, I miss the flag? Yeah. And he looks back. And then when he sees me come to me, he just, off he goes. He never even comes back. And so. At least you knew he was watching. Yeah. So my horse showed up later that day at some time. And, and, uh, Lucky the calf survived. Yeah. Thank God that horse jerked him off me so I go back and drink. (laughs) Yeah. Took my bandage and nurse my mother. Yeah. Yeah, that was terrible. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, just cowboy stuff, <laughs> cowboy stories. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of that kind of stuff went on. This would be good, Ben, to where we uh, had the video because watching Russell be bent over his chair laughing, I mean, is not really getting conveyed over the airways. Well enough, yeah. I don't think. What he's so tickled about is we work together all the time and he knows that it hasn't really changed all that much. <laughs> he doesn't tie off anymore. Yeah. Except for the tying off part. There'll be no horn knots on this yeah. ranch. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And I had to tell my son that story because he's, you know, he's wanting to be, he's a cowboy. Oh, yeah. Super puncher. Tie yeah, super punch. Yeah. Yeah, so I had to tell him the story, and he, he really... Yeah. He's got his own issues. Yeah. So he, one day we're at, um, <laughs> we're at my place, and we're branding, and it's muddy, wet, and I let the my boys, who aren't that sharp, and his boy, <laughs> who fits in with him, go bring the calves up on foot with stock whips. Because like, they're running around just like, they need to do something. So I'm going to let them... We bring them out of this pen and kick them across this flat um, parking lot, and they go into the arena, and they go all the time. It works really well if you just stand out here. So we're just going to let the kids kick them out on foot because they're little calves and stuff. So across, they've got them riled pretty good before they get them they into that the game. pen. Yeah, yeah, three or four yeah. times. <laughs> so they got to wrap for good. So that mud's pretty deep and they're all going around. They're loving using their whips and stuff. And there's this big old bull calf and Cross is wanting to whip that calf so bad. And he gets out there just close enough and whips him right on the butt and hard, like got him. It jumps straight in the air, turns around and smokes him. Hits him, <laughs> hits him right in the chest. Like, I mean, Smokes like him, him underground. A, underground to where it was soup. Like it was like four or five inches of he's soup. Just gone, and he's just gone. Yeah, he just face he, down. And when he, he hits him when he, so hard, when he comes up, Russell's running. I'm way behind. Russell jumps the fence because he's. It I mean, it hits me. him bad. Like like he could have died. Me. And we usually try not to laugh till we're sure you got pulled. <laughs> and Russell jumps the fence, and when he's running, Cross comes up, and that stuff's all in his eyes, and he runs from Russell because he. he can't see him and he, he thinks the cat. He thinks he's the cat. <laughs> I gotta catch he him. Cried. He has to catch him. He's just like, no, no. no. <laughs> he's trying to I've fight him. Enough. I've had enough. He's trying to fight him off. Like, it's okay, Daddy's here. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I, I get him turned around, and there's he opens his eyes, and that's all that's white because it's that black clay, and he can't hardly breathe, and the black. Mud is stuck under both lips, <laughs> yeah. like uh, on his teeth. Don't, yeah. don't scream when you go to hit the dirt right. face first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He can't breathe, and I make him blow his nose, and two solid plugs of black yeah. clay come out of each nostril. Yeah. <laughs> but the coolest part was you couldn't see the wet spot in his pants at all. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't see it. Yeah. He was, <laughs> Bring me my brown pants. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's right. Yeah. No, he had them on. Oh, man. That was a good one. That was pretty funny. Yeah. Now, afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> when he smoked him, I thought, oh, no. Yeah. I didn't see it till I just saw him coming up out of there, and Russell was running to him, and he started running from Russell. Like, <laughs> pushing him off. Yeah, it was funny. 
Graz didn't think it was that funny. No. <laughs> funny, and cows don't take a joke sometimes. <laughs> I know. And by far the biggest calf in the pit. I mean, yeah. there's, there's 30 other calves that would have just hit him and bounced off. No, he got the big one. Yeah, it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's something about the wrath of a cow. I don't know if I should tell this story or not. But yeah, you know, probably. <laughs> so we're uh, renting Stephenville. I worked for Carol Rose at the time. Murph's down there. Don Murphy. BJ Avil is working for him. And we got a whole crew of us down there. And we're working in the back pen in Stephenville. And we got this load of cows rented. And there's one cow. We're like bringing them in one end, kicking them out the other. Typical kind of deal. One cow don't want to go find the other end. Carol, she's down there. She insists on working these cows afoot with this flag and kicking them into us. And she's over there saying, hey, just turn them out. Just turn him out this way. It's fine. It's not that big a deal. We'll just drive this guy to the other end. Finally, all right, you want him out this end? Meanwhile, she's still in the lane where the, she wants the cow kicked out at. I'm like, well, she wants him out here. And she, it's been a rough week. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. So I'm like, well, she wants him out this gate. I kicked the gate open. Meanwhile, she's walking down here to open a gate. And this cow comes trotting out the gate. And he stops right in the gate and he looks at her. And he kind of looks at me and he looks back at her and he trots up there and hits her right square in the hind part <laughs> and trots over the top of it. <laughs> and I'm telling you, all I can hear is BJ Avila go, <laughs> and he slaps his hand over his mouth and you can hear it. Oh my goodness. I am like dying. Everybody there's dying because like I say, it's been a rough week and she's fine. Luckily. But he did square her right up. And I mean, right directly in the tailbone. Did you? Um, and flat her what'd face. What did you do with the hot shot after that? Well, <laughs> we hit it. We hit it. But it was, it, oh my goodness. I don't know. We might have to take this story out, Ben. But what? I don't know. No, that was, that was <laughs> yeah. mild. That was pretty mild. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was good. Uh, it, was, it, was, it, it was made the highlight, the highlight of my four years. <laughs> was it the end? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> my parting letter. <laughs> <laughs> my exit interview. <laughs> uh, I'll thank yeah. you to take your hot shot and move on down the road. <laughs> yeah. I just, it always comes to mind when anybody tells me a story about a cow hitting somebody, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. I can't help it. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, it'll happen. It will happen. <laughs> I just can't erase it. <laughs> you don't want to. It's How could you erase one it's like It's one that? of your favorite memories. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Hold it dear to your heart. Hold it dear. Like cross with it, splitting the plugs of mud out of his nose. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. That was funny. Yeah, it was. All right. So we've been at Circle yeah. C for 15. <laughs> no, wonder. What, what's off. the... Uh, What's the social structure of Thailand? <laughs> you ever spend any time in Thailand or Taiwan? Or? Man, I haven't. Sorry, it's, it's a joke, Casey. <laughs> Last week, um, Russell decides to ask Ben Baldus. I'm trying to quiz him. He goes to Thailand at a young age and I haven't been over there. Are you sure it was even Thailand? It was Thailand. Yeah, so I'm asking <laughs> him about, he said you when I'm really mission. Get, you guys really get invested in these yeah. interviews. I know. Where was it? Who was that guy? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea who that was. 
Anyway. <laughs> so anyways, he said it was a mission, so I figure he's there quite a while. It turns out he was only there for what? A week. A week. That's not much of a mission. No, That's what I thought. <laughs> so I'm like, so what was it like there? Well, what do you mean? It's Thailand. Well, I mean, they rode elephants and stuff's going on. I'm like, well, and he talks about rich people and poor people living right next to each other. I'm like, so what's the, what's the, what's the, Social structure was I, well, the word. Well, I came to social structure because I couldn't get him. I couldn't. I couldn't get him to tell me what it was like if it was oppressive or not. Or, and he was so baffled that he didn't even answer. So now, anytime that there's a pause or we're not sure yeah. what to say, we just say, "What's the social structure in Thailand?" He's like, "What are you talking about? Like, why are the people poor and you're riding elephants and what's the, what's the, what? You're riding rich a jeweled saddle, and yeah, a jeweled saddle, and that guy's got a burlap sack on his elephant. Yeah. <laughs> Embarrassing." <laughs> Can you believe he'd come to town like that? I know. One, t- one tusk. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a unicorn. Wiped out, yeah. <laughs> a mythical creature. <laughs> Came to his first uh, tree tug. <laughs> Blanked out. So, Casey, what do, you, uh, what do you think? What would be you think is your most, uh, your biggest accomplishment Horse related, no family allowed. You know, probably the biggest uh, in thirteen. I had Gary Stray Cat, and uh, uh, she had an OCD and a hawk as a as a, when we bought her as a yearling, and they said we probably wouldn't even build a rider. And then about Chris Ray did surgery on her, and about he said, "Why don't you just start riding her in August and see how it goes?" So I started riding her in August, and. Uh, which is early for you. Yeah, right. Yeah, I was a month ahead of schedule. So I got to riding her, and she was she was a good horse. So we kind of rocked along there, and right before the fraternity, um, she tore a suspensory right at the origin, right below the hawk, right where it attaches to the hawk. And so they laid her, we laid her off and did all the stuff, and... and uh, Brought her back and swam her, and uh, we didn't enter. I missed the super stakes, and we weren't entered at the BI. And then a week before, uh, a week before the BI, I took her to Ada to, a, and they had a, like fifty in the open over there in the four-year-old. And that mare had never been. She had went to the pre-works as a three-year-old, but she'd never been to a cutting. And I marked a five on her and won the cutting. And I called Dan, and I said, uh, you know, we probably, you need to enter this mare at the BI. And um, so he called Bob O'Bannon and entered her. And uh, we went over there and won the limited, ended up third in the 10 novice, and made the open finals. And so that was the first time. Like, took her to Ada one week. The next week went over there, and we went, like, just right under 40,000 at that first show we took her (laughs) to. And uh, so that that was pretty cool. That was kind of a cool deal because um, you know we paid thirty for that mare because she'd had, but she was out of she was a cat out of uh, Royal Red Pepto that mare Shannon had and or Gary, um, oh I'm blanked out. Uh, Gary Benton uh, that had Marauders Money yep. Talks in Kansas. He had that Royal Red Pepto, and then when he passed away, that's how she got her name, Gary Stray Cat, and Dan and. Gary were good friends, and when Gary passed away, 
um, Shannon got, uh, he had all those horses to sell for Gary, and we bought that horse from his estate or his trust from Gary's mom. And um, and Dan and Gary were good friends, and so anyway, that was that was pretty. I thought that was that was kind of a cool deal. I have to tell you a funny story. I was wearing that a vest or something that I won on that mare in four, 13 or fourteen, and uh, my stepson Ty, he saw me wearing it here. This hasn't been like six months ago, and he goes, "Huh, is that the last time you made the finals?" <laughs> <laughs> and I was like. Eh. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Shut up, man. Shut up. Shut up. You Shut stupid up. kid. Stupid kid. I'm paying your rent, Hate you idiot. Kids. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh anyway, but no, that that was as far as horses go, like we've had a lot of you know, I I don't know, like I've had, you know, Dan I get more of a kick out of him when he makes finals like the fraternity or he's made, you know, lots of finals on those horses that, you know, and they weren't even quite good enough for the open, but he could just fly in, take one ride at the house, and then go down there and make the finals. It's, it's, that I really get a kick out. I mean, I like that. I think that's, you know, um, and that's part of, you know, I, I'm not a great showman, and, and, um, but I've, I've tried to train a horse that, that uh that even i can show so <laughs> and if i can show up i know sean flynn one time uh dan was riding atm wild-haired cat and we went like forty thousand on that horse or uh right at 30 and then sold him you know and then they went on and won a bunch more on him but at the fraternity he just kicks that horse out of the blue one time and that horse it completely turns tail to the cow and lands and his head is behind the corner horse and he's and his butt is facing the cow and i mean his head was right on the buck and shoot in the corner and the horse was between and that cow come out of there and dan just kicks him with his herd side leg and that horse backs up three steps and goes in there and he saves him he marks like a 13 and he was fixing to mark a big score until he did that and then he marks like a 13 still makes the finals sean flynn comes over and he's like how in the i said I kick him over there all the time. I do all the time. I do that constantly. <laughs> like if they if they don't find the target from there, then that you know that that's not, not going to work. Not going to make it. Not going to work this program. Yeah, that's yeah. not going to fit. So, so what about like uh, Casey being around the cow horse a little bit and the cutting? And I know like going over and riding with you, your program is solid and simple and easy to ride behind. What do you see? What do you see the big difference between the cow horse and the cutting? Oh, I mean, I think uh, I don't like to lope. And so <laughs> I, that's, that looks hard. You know, lots of loping. It just looks so strenuous. Uh, but I think the biggest difference that I see is just the guys that, that have more of a reining background that come over and stuff and ride have a lot more trouble. Like just turning a horse around from A to C, you know, like those horses... Uh, to me, like in my opinion, and you guys are, are so much ahead of me and, and, you know, light years ahead. But as far as the, I think a guy needs to teach those horses to turn around fluidly like a cutting horse first and have it on them and solid and pretty and soft. And then go back and teach them a turnaround. And then I think those horses will do both. I think that the guys that I see that have the rain and stuff on their horses and then start working cattle never ever get along very good um and that's the guys that come you know a lot of guys come to my house and want to work a cow because i've got cattle and and i'm not 
I don't have 40 horses to work. You know, I'm only usually working, you know, 15 to 20. So there's time if they want to come work. Anybody can come work. Uh, but that's what I see. Or the horses that people send me. That they, I've been doing a bunch of raining, but I need to get her on a cow more so than they send a, one over to work on a cow. And it's just, you can't get those horses turned around. You know, you spend so much time fussing with the turnaround that you can't hardly hook them up to a cow. It's really hard to hook them up to a cow, you know. Um, that that's the one thing that really sticks out to me as and and I don't know you guys know that better than me but like to me like if you I think those horses need to be able to turn around in a usable I mean you, you don't even know you do it for, I mean I know you know you do it but you use your horses so much that you can turn them around and you can go turn around and, and go 20 feet and turn around and go 15 feet and stop a cow and this and that because you're doing it. You know, you're actually doing it because they need to go through this gate or they need to go over here or whatever. But so many guys, they don't. They're just, they don't even know why they're turning one around. They don't know how to turn one around like that, you know, like in a usable, everyday, functionable way. And so, you know, yeah, I can put a leg on them and I can kick their head in and I can step around. And I mean, it's, it's beautiful and it looks under, but it's absolutely not useful for anything you do except for so showing. So in essence, you're kind of saying the difference being that the turnaround is just the turnaround on those horses, mm-hmm. whereas the turnaround needs to be turn and go turn and work the cow turn and yeah turn, turn, and, and, turn and, and something push. yeah push out of there you know, like Get drive somewhere. like drive yeah. off of that back end <clears throat> they're so busy stepping around that one hind leg's always off the ground and um then you know they can't get yeah. anywhere well and they only bend a, <clears throat> just just this much and it's not enough to get over there you know i want them to get you know, I want that head to come by, and I want them to get over there. And I think if you got them doing that, and they're rocking back and underneath you, and you can cock that, push that hip up and pull that head across and just fire them through there, I think if you can do that real fluidly and then go back, and uh, and and I've played with the turnaround some, and you guys just do it all the time, but I think you can go back and teach them a, 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 a spin, turn, you know, a forward mm-hmm. turn, and always have that be able to draw them back and rip them through there. But if you teach them that forward turn from the beginning, you cannot get them things to get through there. I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible, but the show's going to be over by the time. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know when they're going to have it, but it's probably going to be over by the time you get them through there. That's what I think, you know. And, and I've had some that don't even have that much of it on them. They might only have, you know, three or four months of that turn on them. And, I mean, you can hardly get them things to turn around. But you can take one that turns around like a cutting horse and if, if, they're, if they're not just whacking the cow. But, I mean, actually, you can load them up and fire them through that. And do you guys agree or disagree? Do you, I mean, what do you guys think? I mean. No, absolutely. For me, I know people give me a hard time all the time about my reining turn because it's way back compared to a lot of guys but for me i've got to have them things where they load on their butt and they move around and just like you say so that they can do a job because i have to keep my deal to where it's utilitarian and user friendly and where i can go from a to b and i can go get something done like i say that way when and i'm going to say when not if i get in a pickle where i've overtrained one and i've got them dreading it mm-hmm. where i can go let them do their job and clean it back up and build that desire back in them mm-hmm. when I've done too much. 
Yeah. And it gives me something to fall back on. But yeah, I, the way I look at it is, I mean, there's two raining turns, which are crucial. Like you need to get your points in them. But there's how many turns on a cow in Ooh. our deal with the three events. And so, you know, I mean, I, I'm way going to lean towards that cow turn. I mm. mean, like I say, well, them guys get, they get wadding that chin up and get them rolling up through there. For me, I, I, I'm with you. I mean, everybody's got their own deal. But for me, man, I, I lose that connection to them feet. And, man, I'm in. I'm up I'm up a creek mm-hmm. with uh, no paddle. And I really feel like uh, that rocking over the hawk, that horse has to want to get over that hawk with them front feet. Mm-hmm. If they take and step that foot out, or even what I see in the raining a lot is they're stepping across with their front end, but in order to make the turn, they're stepping out a little bit with their hip. Mm. And now that every time they get in a pickle making the turn, they think the way to open that inside up is to step that outside hind out. Mm -hmm. They're going to step out a little bit with that hip so they can make it. Mm -hmm. And then when that happens in the cutting and especially in the fence, you've lost everything. Yep. You now you're slapping the cow in the butt and you're barrel, you're barrel racing it. You're folks. Raising yeah. folks. Yeah. One yeah. man kettle drive. Yeah. yeah. That's what I like to call it. And you can't ever catch up. And then they start hitting that front end and stuff. And I think it puts too much pressure on I think it starts making them not want to do it. Mm-hmm. So they start uh, like they start either shorten. They're afraid to get out there a little farther to stop that cow because it's so hard for them well, to get back. Yeah, they're always in a bind. They're yeah, all, they're always in a bind. You can't expose them like that because they you know they can't wrinkle themselves through there at all, and um, it just it makes them it just makes them want to give up. You know, they like you said, they just want to give up. You know, because if I you can't go, get there. Yeah, they just don't feel like like they can do it, and that that's the main thing that I see in the in the guys that come and work and. You know, there's a lot of stuff too that that I don't do. That's I think's you know that's awesome. You know, too the raining part of it is is really is pretty cool. But the but that's the biggest thing that I see. And like I say, getting control, and, and that's what I say. People always worried about the front end, but you know, all the business is in the back feet. And I mean, if you don't have control of the back feet, you know, if you can't move those back feet, and shuffle those back feet wherever you want to put them. Now the front the front end's really you know uh, irrelevant. I mean it doesn't you know to me. I mean that's what I think. The front feet are gonna the front end. There's there's certain things you can do to to help clean it up a little bit, but but the biggest thing you can do is get the back feet working for you, and then like the front end's gonna do what it's gonna do. You know it's kind of like on a cow. We can teach them to go to those spots and. We have all these spots where we want to, you know, the spots that we want to go to on that cow and read the cow and take over. And the turn is still going to be the horses. The horses all are going to turn a little different. You got guys like oh, Gary Gonzalez or somebody that just, you know, how does he get them all to swoop through there like that? And they all look the same. Well, he picks them. He picks some ones that turn like that. <laughs> you know, he starts with a lot and ends up with a couple, you know, and they turn just like that. You know what I'm yeah. saying? But the, for us, for the guys that don't have that luxury, and you know, the, the turn's all going to be a little different. I mean, you watch Lloyd that has a lot of freedom. His horses don't turn the same. Now, they all turn a little bit different, but the spot's the same that they go to. That they're getting to. Yeah, the spot's the same, and the back feet are moving the same. 
on the better ones you know mm-hmm. the front end's going to move different on all of them that you know what i mean mm-hmm. uh, but but the back feet have to go so then they can do whatever you know god's built them to do you mm-hmm. know or that that's what i think that's that's just my personal opinion yeah darn right spot mm-hmm. on yeah my i like to say uh head up butt down and when in doubt ranch <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but no, I think, like I say, guys just get to, you know, you see them horses, no matter what event it is, be the cutting or the reining or the cow horse, and you see them horses that win and they have a certain style about them with their head and neck. Well, then you get guys that are going and trying to create that by working on their head and neck. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it just, mm. it boggles my mind, really. I mean, it's like, I mean, if you don't have control of them feet, you don't have anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. that head, that to, to me, that head and neck will go there when the low head and neck needs to go there when their hip is so far under them that they got to drop their head down to stay balanced. Right. When you're just trying to just put that head and neck down yeah. and you don't care where the hind feet are, well, you'll get that front end down so far that the hind end is just, it's just unconnected mm-hmm. well how are you going to drive right or left like that yeah now you wind up having to have that hip step out to let that horse get through there because you put the head down before you got the hip under there that hip has got to come under for that head to go down yeah. if you just I, force it down where's your back going where's your saddle horn going where's everything going that's it i call it head and neck my fuel gauge right like when i got my fuel filled up and i got control of their feet and they're in an athletic position with their four feet that head and neck's going to go where God put it. Some mm-hmm. of them are going to be a little lower. Some of them are going to be a little higher, but it's going to go to a natural position mm-hmm. to where I can take the cover off of my dash and I can hold my little orange arrow over here on full. I can put my gauge over here, but that truck's just as dead. I'm out of fuel and I'm on the side of the road. Well, my fuel gauge says I'm full. Well, it's not truthful. You know, and I think a lot of people fall into that trap and get in a little bind there. I've yeah. had some high-headed, really high-headed horses that made good cutting horses. And a lot of times, and I see guys, and I see especially like young guys, tie their, you know, tie their heads down oh. a lot. And, um, and I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not going to, I use it, I use that stuff too. But let me tell you, like on those high-headed ones, I'll tie a head down or put an eye wire or something like that. And I'll just ride them around and I'll teach them how to work, like where I don't have to, like especially when I'm working a cow. Like, I'll just let that thing teach them how to, it, like, just teach them how to move their front feet so they can't, because when that head comes up, a lot of times the knees will lock down, they'll just get stiff in that front end, and I'll just turn them. Like, I'll, I'll the tie down will just stop them. That way I'm not fussing with a stop trying to turn them. I'll let that tie down stop them or that eye wire, and I'll just, just turn them through there real smooth until they get to really, really bending those knees and picking the back up, but I'm not going to try to make them go fast, and I'm not going to try to make them be good right, right. because... They still have to put their head up to balance themselves, so they're not gonna they're not gonna work like that. It, it, it doesn't matter. They're not gonna work like that in the end. I can do it every day for three or four months, and when I take it off, it's gonna come up to where they can get their balance. But I will put one on there to teach them how to move their front feet without fussing with them. Let them just focus on what the cow's doing mm-hmm. and pick. You know that that bay horse, that ATM wild haired cat we had that I talked about earlier. Dan made the finals on several deals, but. 
he was high-headed. He'd lock those knees. When you'd back him up, he'd just leave a set of tracks across, just drag those front feet, you know. Oh, my Lord. And, I mean, I tied that rascal's head down. I just turned him, turned him, turned him. And, I mean, he just, hell, you could just play a tune on that baby the whole time. But he, he couldn't drop his back with it on there. And he learned how to move those knees and bend his front feet. And then I could work him in a hackamore with nothing on I mean, with no tie down i mean just work him in a hackamore and that sucker run and hit i mean bend them. i mean he was awesome you know he just got awesome because his timing was impeccable in the stop but there was always he'd go to draw and then everything would just got you know and, and you were always fussing with that turn and you just took him off the ground i, I tied his head down and i just turn him just turn him just turn him not have to worry about any of the other stuff and i mean his time once his timing got good i just threw it on the ground and that was the end of it like you know and i've done that on several of those kind of horses and they're still going to work the exact same way but as far as where they carry their head but it'll just teach them that they can do that you know there's some yeah, sure. you know they that, that is possible without having to distract them with your hands and you're right. you know trying to yep. keep them get back picked up and doing all this and expecting them to read the cow at the same time you know yep. and so i use one i do you know i use one this morning so i'm guilty of <laughs> yeah sorry you know and he, he, i said that russell like oh god, oh, god <laughs> <laughs> I well like, i hate when they just put it on and then that's it they oh, leave yeah. them on that forever, and they're tr they're like. I took it off. You I are mine never going to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I, I know. didn't leave it on. I didn't want them to tear it up. That's one of my best ones. <laughs> How do you leave it on when you unsaddle? <laughs> I just tie around front leg. <laughs> you got to be dedicated. You got to let them know you're serious. Okay, we're gonna do this. It's only one year away. <laughs> Seven months. Mm -hmm. Oh, seven months? I gotta go. I gotta go. <laughs> Holy camoly. I'm out of here, buddy. Wait a minute. I got work to do, boys. <laughs> I have not looked at my calendar. <laughs> oh, embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I see I see that all the time. Those kids will put them on and they'll think, and then they, oh, then they go and the horse is checking the bridle all the time and looking for looking for that thing and a tie down really only works great on low-headed horses anyway <laughs> i know that's kind of the same like my training program it only it works a yeah. lot better on them good ones <laughs> yeah yeah that's what paul hansman told me one time about supplements he goes supplements work really good on really good horses <laughs> <laughs> that'll make winners out of them yeah it's kind of like uh, timing has a lot to do with the success of a rain dance yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah that's right that's exactly dance right dance any way you want yeah. If it's going to rain. If it's going to rain. <laughs> yeah. No, that's right. <laughs> the high-headed horse deal, it's, it is a battle. So you you ever see Greg Ward's video? Yeah, he I made a video. No, no. I watched, I watched his Reminix Pep the other day, though. Oh, wait, he's got a, he had a training video, and it's got Master Remedy on it. And that horse grows goes across the pan like puff the magic dragon i mean it is so high-headed and and running and Was when it that cow smoke? stops <laughs> blowing a little smoke cbd oil and it, <laughs> <laughs> and when that cow stops so he's focused yeah, what you're saying. Yeah. no add man. no add when that cow stops and that horse drops to the ground and looks at the cow it goes from as high as it can be to as low as it can be and he's just just he won't let the cow move like he won't let take a step you you can't see the cow in the video and it just tries to 
walk and that horse leans out there and stops it with its nose on the ground which brings me back to what you're saying about their head's still going to go up there but at least they can learn how to move back and forth mm-hmm. yeah he when when it gets hooked on the cow and needs to go where it wants to go it gets balanced even a high-headed horse which master remedies were kind of built to come up out of there and they were a little bit hot but when they knew where their focus point was, they would drop down there and get balanced and just get as cool as anything yep. you could get on. Well, like heck of a mate, when I, when I had him, he, he was that way. I mean, I had a heck of a time getting my reins adjusted because he was so high-headed walking down there. I mean, he, like, I mean, like I, you know, <laughs> and mine don't steer good anyway. And then I have my hand back here by my, by my left ear and, I, and I'm messing around there and monkeying around. And it was, and people, I'm, I'm sure riding down there, like, what in the world? Like, you know, what's yeah, he doing? Yeah. Llama, llama, mad at mama. Or, and, and I mean, like you just shucked down when you got down there. I mean, this sucker, you know, it comes straight down there. And I mean, he was awesome. I only got to show him a couple of times and Darren Blanton, uh, that owned Highbrow Cat bought him and Jason Clark and they they won 156 thousand on him. I, I sold him at the fraternity, uh, but he was that way. I mean, he just went around with his. I mean, and and it made those. But man, when he get, I mean, he'd run that butt up underneath him and put his head right on Drop. the ground, you know. And uh, and then you had to have, you know, I, I started showing him with, uh, or I showed him with my reins doubled, so I, you know, with the bubble in him. So I could drop that bubble because when he he put it so low, held the first time I showed him, I marked a fourteen, and two of them got me for uh, bumping the bridle, you know. Because he reached out. Because he'd stick his nose down there so far, you know. And I had, uh, you know, like I said, I was back here, you know. And uh, so I mean, it's it's it makes it a whole different deal. But well, I, if, you, if you had a little longer arms, if you weren't. <laughs> uh, why? Why would he's, you say that? He's always he's, so he's always about the physique. I don't know. No, yeah, well, he's made perfectly, right? <laughs> yeah, aerodynamic shape and everything. <laughs> if anybody at home has pictures of Russell, pull him up, and take a look at him. Right. <laughs> pull him behind a boat and look like a spinnerbait. <laughs> There's nothing but a shine. forehead. Nothing but a forehead shine. coming through the water. I have this shine, <laughs> <laughs> but he's happy about it. <laughs> it's comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> so Casey, <laughs> if you go back to that kid that was a walk-on scholarship athlete on the rodeo team, yeah. What uh, pure talent? What uh, what would you tell him? You know. I don't know that I'd tell him to do anything different. The biggest thing for me was I didn't, I think these kids, now I say go find, find somebody whose horses you love to watch. If you like the picture and you like everything about the way those horses work and go work for that guy and watch him and learn and watch and, 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 and learn. But I didn't know what I liked. I don't know, you know, I didn't know anything. And so I didn't have that luxury of like, oh, like you know what I mean. I just knew what I wanted to do, and and uh, but you know it's a long, hard road to not work for somebody and that's good, and uh, so I don't advise that at all. And, and I would tell that guy, you know, do as I say, not as I do. Yeah, yeah, and I would tell that that kid, uh, you know, to to you know watch those horses and and you know be around the business for a little while, you know, even if you're from the outside looking in and find, 
you know, there's a guy that, that uh, you like the people that he's hanging around and, and you, you like what you hear about him behind his back and, and, uh, and, and you like the way his horses work and, and go work for that guy and, and be a student, you know, get up earlier than everybody else and stay out there till they're done and all that stuff. But, and I did all that. I just didn't know what I was doing, you know, for a long time. <laughs> but probably, Casey, when, coming from what you came from, did you even know that cutting was where you wanted to go for a long time? Because yeah, it sounded like you just wanted to ride in cowboy. I did. I did, but I really did like the cutting. I mean, I was always just the first time I remember seeing it and just thinking, how can those guys, how can those horses do, do that? that? How can they do that? And how, and, um, and then, and then like now I think, how can those horses do that? It's <laughs> okay. like yesterday I was thinking, why won't these horses do that? I, but, but no, I mean, that's, that's, uh, I, yeah, that's, um, I've always been just enamored by that. I just thought it was, you know, whatever it was, you know, watching the, even the rain, the raining and the cow horse and just the things that those, that those horses do and the way the guys get them to do it and, and uh, and I mean, my goal was always just to train us a really a solid horse that that somebody could go, you know, and and win something on, or or you know, have fun on, and and um, and I. But I do like the cowboy deal, and and I've always I've stayed, you know, around that, and that's what I, you know, that's what we do as much of as as anything, you know. Yeah, but um, but the horses. Uh, it's a lot more fun, you know, to ride a good one to go do that stuff on too, and and um, so that's kind of my thoughts on that. What's next? What's next? What do we uh, What do we see? What do we see yourself doing five years from now? Oh, five years! Gosh, probably still be broke. <laughs> um, no, I tell you, I, I hope I'm right where I'm at. I, I'd really like to, uh, you know selfishly like it's such an awesome place uh that dan's let us build there and put together and um and we've bought some property um right across the road from the ranch so we've got our own place now that uh, my wife's folks are going to move in there and uh live there and, and then if we ever have to go there you know we can if we need to but um but i have no intention of going anywhere i'd like to stay there across is really big in the roping and, and ropes really good and uh, and we're just gonna you know keep keep we you know we bred we're gonna we got 15 colts to be born this year we got 15 next year and and um so that'll pretty much take care of five years right there well we'll be looking into high school rodeo we'd be a high school rodeo yeah. dad in five years huh? yeah that's right yeah no we've been going to a bunch of junior rodeos and doing all that and and roping and and so between all that and and then still like i said we're just gonna try to keep the top end of what we think's the top end of the of the colts and and i always keep some bigger gildens back you know to rope on and use and then um yeah hopefully we can you know those those really good horses. I, even in those great programs, and, and I don't know, like you know, that have some of those top ten mares or whatever. Uh, those those really good horses, they just don't show up very often. I mean, I don't care what you've got for mare. You know, we've got Tornado's Ray of Hope. She's produced maybe four forty now or four fifty or something, and and um, but she doesn't hit every time. You know, and uh, and she had two or three before she hit. You know what I mean? So, 
you know, I know how that, that deal goes. And I've tried not to. It's, it's fun for me. I really like riding. I've really enjoyed and, and still enjoy, like, riding the Colts. Now I'm riding granddaughters and great-granddaughters of the mares that we had when we got there. And um, it's fun. Like, the kids that work for me or whatever, like, oh, that horse is this or that. And I'm like, yeah, just wait six months and see what it's you know what i mean because i know what's going to happen and that i enjoy you know being smarter than everybody there i guess <laughs> uh, but uh, older yeah yeah that too but, that. <laughs> yeah but but no i like that uh that part of it and uh and like i said and dan's getting old i think dan's 76 now and so he's He's getting older, but he's he's committed. He gets just as excited about breeding mares every year. He is just as excited. I know we make our list every year, and and um, he's got his list, and I've got mine, and mine's way shorter than his <laughs> on the breeding deal. And uh, I've got like two mares to embryo, and then we get the list back, and bam, there they are. You know, <laughs> so he gets excited about that, and he doesn't get to come down that much, so. That's that's what he really enjoys that part of it, and and like I said, getting to see those horses show up, and and uh, you know, like Tornado watches mother. She hadn't produced anything before him, and that's why, like I bred her to Metallic Cat so I could get the most for her sure. at the sale, and because I knew he was going to be, the, you know, if Highbrow Cat was the Michael Jordan, you know, the Metallic Cat was the LeBron James or the, you know what I mean, the right. business, and I thought I'm gonna, and so. And, I, you know, and they're like, oh, man, you bred that mare, and then that's the colt. You know, I said, well, we didn't raise that colt. Like, I sold that mare in full, you know, because just so we could get more money, you know, because that mare was older and hadn't produced anything, you know, as of yet. And that mare was, she was amazing herself. I, I thought that was the best two-year-old I've ever seen. When I came down to Churchill's, that, that boy that was there before me, Jason Birdwell was riding her, and I thought, that's, I'd never seen anything like it. Kickapoo Ranch gave, uh, in Illinois, gave 175000 for that mare as a two-year-old, you know, and then Shannon trained her, and I thought, I mean, she was amazing. Um, but we bred her to Cat, we bred her to Dual Ray, we bred, you know, and those colts were just, they were just horses, you know, they weren't, they were okay, but there was nothing good, you know, uh, great. Um, which is funny, Foster Johnson has a Thomas E. Hughes out of her, and I haven't seen him work him yet, but... He was riding him uh, the day before you came over and helped me brand yeah. the other day. And that sucker, I mean, he looks awesome. Like little bay slinking around. And he oh. says he's really good. I haven't got to see him yet, but uh, I'm anxious to see him. Um, which usually that doesn't happen. Usually them colts, you know, produce a little better on the front end, you know. Yeah. or But, um, you know, this would be, she'd be, she's getting old. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that horse. I love that horse. I didn't really ever get, get him tapped off the way I probably i should have but uh always just seemed to run into something i won a lot of go rounds and stuff on him i mean shoot i mm-hmm. might win a go round on him in the herd or i might win a go round on him in the raining and he was plenty good in the fence but it was just like something that always go wrong and uh gal's got him up in uh, oregon now um non-pro and he's mm-hmm. in the box and stuff and so getting along good i guess i talked trent i guess but, uh, yeah but that's, I, that's a tough thing in the cow horse when you gotta put three events together there's a lot of horses that can do them all, but yeah. you getting them all to land on the same show. Oh, yeah. man. Well, that's it. That horse would be a four or five in any event. Any you know event, what I mean? Right. But just getting it all tapped that's, off and getting drawed right. And- yeah, it's just like having to cut three cows in the cut, and it's so dumb. <laughs> just on. cut two. Yeah, and then I'll send a video in or something. Right? 
Hey, Lord. you can, uh, you can, there's a world series. You can qualify for the world series of team roping at home now on your own cows. I know. That's what I heard. I'm, I'm, I'm going to shoe in. <laughs> I think I've got it. Hey, there's no editing though. You oh. got to hit play and let it roll. What? Facebook, <laughs> Facebook what? Live. <laughs> Facebook Live. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> that sounds just like going. Yeah, that sounds like going to one, and that's hard. It's dumb. Yeah. 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 yeah you just got to be like under 45 seconds and you're yeah. qualified. And I have a chance to win the world this year in the quarter horse deal because there's no qualification this year. So. Right. <laughs> I'll be seeing you guys up there in November. Okay, see bound, baby. Yeah. It's going to be the biggest world show ever. Yeah. <laughs> I'll see you guys there. Last time I went, I uh, won the uh, level, whatever it was, the, the intermediate. Uh, I marked a 218 on ATM player. and um, But I wasn't going to show her any after the world show, so I'd let her hair up and everything. And so I come back. I marked 18 in the first go, come back for the finals, and I go uh, lead up there to go in for the finals night. Like, they're, they're, it's a couple bunches away. And they're like, oh, uh, you got your papers? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, um, okay, it's uh, $40. And I said, for what? They said, it's 40 for each buddy horse. And I said, buddy horse? And they're like, <laughs> yeah, if you bring a buddy horse for your show horse, it's 40 bucks to get in. And I was like, no, I'm showing this one. And they're like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, sure you are, buddy. Yeah, yeah. anyway, it's 40 bucks. <laughs> so I had to go through like three people and get them to like find her name, show the pictures on the Coggins to get them to let me in. You know, it's kind of like Matt getting kicked out of the rain and warm-up pen at the world show. That, But uh, for wearing his dirty pants or whatever. <laughs> but... Uh, but no, it's the same deal. They can't, they weren't they wouldn't let me in. I I had to pay an extra forty to get in with my buddy horse. But anyway, <laughs> we got I think we got in there marked like a fifteen or sixteen and one six or seventh or something. So got yeah. your forty bucks back. Got my forty yeah, I back. Got my forty. No, I didn't pay. I was like, I'm going home. If you don't for forty, I'm not I'm not out of here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going across the street. I can have way more fun for forty bucks. <laughs> 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 40 gets you a long ways over there, boy. So, especially them seedy ones. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, yeah. So, but I'm coming back to 2020, baby. 2020 AQHA World Show. Body clip. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag body clip. Uh, no, that costs more than 40. <laughs> I'll just pay the 40 if I got a body clip. Oh, man. Thanks again for the sponsor of this podcast, the Reno Snaffle Bit Fraternity. Well, I tell you what, Casey, I mean, we sure appreciate you being on. Tell folks if they're looking for a year old or two-year-old prospect, come check you out at yeah, Circle C Ranch, huh? Yeah, just holler at us. Uh, my number is 405-420-4381. Uh, you can look it up. The Circle C Ranch Co. At Wayne is right. Wayne, Oklahoma is right on the uh, we got a website, so if anybody wants to holler and come by the ranch anytime, visitors are are welcome uh, whenever. So, yeah, we'd love to see you. Come on by. It's awesome. All right. Beautiful. Yeah, well, thanks th for being on. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks yeah, for you having bet. me. Yeah, you bet. No problem. Time. Okay. Till next time, go fast. Make good decisions. Thank you for listening to Cow Horse. Full contact. 
Please like our Facebook page and follow us on Instagram to stay tuned for future episodes.